Good morning, Remy. Morning, Breck. How's it going today? It's going. It actually is morning this today. <laughs> it's a very early morning for me. It's around 4.40 yeah. California time. Yeah, 6.30 Minnesota time. Um, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with the Cowgirls. I'm Brett Kruger. And I'm Remy Greer. Uh, how was the weekend? It was good. It was a good weekend. It was uh, my son's birthday on Sunday, so we had a big water slide like bounce house water slide and just hung out with some guys it was fun it was nice and relaxing awesome um you had a sick little boy too and is that all going well everything's going good nothing has come up uh, nothing else has happened so we're we're happy with it so awesome girls my dogs are um excited that it's morning right now they're playing by my feet <laughs> sorry if you guys can hear that um, awesome. Yes. Good weekend for us too. Kind of a sad one. We lost a favorite show horse this weekend. I don't think that, um, it matter. that's the toughest part about raising animals. It doesn't matter how long you've had them. It doesn't, it doesn't matter anything. It's just so hard to let them go. And, um, so hard to let go of the memories you have with them. So. No, it is. And we, Girls. <laughs> they're excited it's you know what they don't know what to do because we're never here in the mornings uh we had, I know. Put, we had to put an older horse down earlier this year and it was his time and we still knew it and it was still devastating so let alone when it's not planned absolutely yeah i saw a article the other day about um cutting the tails off and what it signifies all the memories and i think that it's so true um, do you cut the tails off of your horses? We cut the tails off and then so we cut the big tail and then I usually have, um, we used to keep, I used to keep uh, braided, a, braid, a small braided piece of all the horses that I sold too. So a collection of those tails also. Well, that's a, a great idea. They're Remy. just not as thick. You know, I just take a little, a little bit in. Yep. That's a really good idea. I've never even thought about that. <clears throat> Well, um, we'll dive in this morning. Today, uh, Remy and I are going to be talking about what's holding you back. And um, I think it's a good topic because I think it's something that a lot of people don't think about necessarily. I think that there's a lot of things that hold people back. And I think it takes a long time to figure that out for yourself. Because I think at the end of the day, you have to come to the conclusion on your own. Yeah. And I think you think at different, it goes back to growing up. I think at different points in your life, you think different things are holding you back. Remember when I was little, my dad said something goes, the only thing between keeping me from having a lot of fun is money. And he was just joking. But you know, when you're younger, you think about that. Like if I just had this, I could be successful or I could be happy or I could be whatever thing you're searching for. And as you get older, you start to figure out that sometimes you get in your own way of being successful. I agree a hundred percent. You know, I, um, oftentimes I look at different situations, different scenarios or different people. And, um, have you ever noticed like there's, uh, there's some people who like, Oh, if I just had a new house, I'd be so much happier. And then they get the new house and it doesn't make them any happier. And they're like, well, now if I just get this new car, I I'll be so much happier. And then that doesn't make them any happier. And then they're like, if I just have this big lavish vacation to some beautiful place, I'll be so much happier. And then they're still not any happier. Have you ever noticed that about some people? I've noticed it about people, but I've noticed it about myself too, right? Like when we were first training horses, if I just had five horses in training, then we'd be set. And then you get five horses, you're like, okay, well, now if I have 10, now if I have 15, and then you have to, or same thing, if I just own this many cattle, or if we have this many events, and it's this ever-increasing bar, I'm going to do this, it's this ever-increasing bar to where you, if you always, if I just have blank, then I'll be happy, or I'll be content. And then you're always searching for the next piece of contentment, rather than enjoying what you have. And the problem is, it's situational, right? I mean, that's a situational problem. If I just have this, then that'll be true. Well, no, it might be easier if I have money or if I have more horses or if I have a bigger house. 
sometimes it's not, but you know, if I just have this, I might be more content, but if you're not happy with what you have, and that doesn't mean that you have to rest with what you have, but if you don't enjoy what you have and appreciate what you have, you will never be happy. And if you're not happy with yourself, there's no amount of things or situations that can make you happy. No. And I do agree with you. Once again, it comes back to the age thing. I think that it is something that comes with age because when you are, when you're starting out uh, from college or from high school or wherever, um, you don't have anything. And so you're always putting that. And if I just had this, it would make my life so much easier. And I think it takes a long time to get to that point where you're content with what you have around you. Um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, Shiny new things don't make you happier. No, they don't. And I, we, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and he goes, people just think too small, right? They think too small. They don't see all this opportunity. And I looked at him and this is the flip side of it, right? I said, I didn't think too small. I really didn't have enough money to do the things I wish I could have done as far as building our place and building our business. So what we did is we built it slowly over time and now we don't have incurred debt and we're super happy and our life is great. But it wasn't that my vision was small. I really didn't have the funding to do what I wanted. But again, I wasn't really, it was, I'd grown up with so many guys that were really big in business and had heard the stories of their struggle. So I always had an appreciation of don't judge someone in their winning season when you weren't there for their losing season. But I had so many, you know, but that you do get caught, you get caught being like, well, why is it easy for them? And it's not easy for me. And if I just, if I had what they had, then I would be, you know, I could do so much more with it. And you don't know the truth and you don't know what someone else has. You only know what you have and you only know your struggle. Even if someone tells you all their struggles, you still don't know it. You weren't there living it every day, but you grow, as you grow up, you start to figure that out. You're like, and you and I have talked about success that way too. Maybe we wouldn't have been successful if we had everything when we were younger. You know, right. we might not have been able to handle it. We might not have been able to have the people or the money or, and success can be, can be suffocating. And we might not have been able to handle that either, but going through growing and going through everything that you go through to the end makes you, if you're, if you, if you were honest with yourself, makes you really content with what you have because it's yours and you built it. And nobody handed it to you. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that um, the struggle is what helps you understand and deal with success. And I think that if you've never been through that struggle or you've never had to build something on your own and you've never had to go through the deep waters of that and be to the point where you've almost failed, I think it it'd be harder to handle um, humbly. It would be harder to handle success humbly. Does that make sense? No, it is. And it's, so we talk about it, especially with competing. If you're not a good loser, not that you have to be great and we're all competitive, but if you're not a good loser, if you're a bad, if you're a bad loser, right. Then a lot of people are a bad winner and it's the same thing with winning. Right. So if you're humble and you recognize that, you did your best, but things went your way as well. You understand that when you lose, it wasn't also only your fault, right? It can't be, you can't be the only reason you win and it's someone else's reason, reason for you to lose. And I think a lot of people don't think about that either, right? There's a lot of things that go into someone being successful. Some of it is luck. A lot of it is hard work and perseverance, but some things just come together the way that they should. And um, it's like, we're back in a drought again in California and we're, sitting here and looking at cows and trying to make some decisions. And again, like we've been faced with that decision before and it worked out really well for us in our favor. And in the moment it was painful, but now going through that, we know the right steps to take and what we're supposed to do. And it makes that easier. But before there was a before. It's not sorry, anymore. No. So we have a, we have, a, we're in a drought again. So we're going to have to yeah, go on. We've lived that. Yeah, we've lived you've that. So we've lived that before. So it's not as painful this time. Yeah. It's still painful, but it's, you know, before it was looking out into the abyss, this vast void of what am I now? Like I was those things. I was, I was that I was tied up in that. 
and now it's not as scary it sucks it's um it's it's it sucks and it's tough but it's an easier decision to make because you know, you know the good thing you know you know good things come out of it yesterday we went to go and check some other cows and there's one cow missing and we're going to and we're looking with binoculars trying to find her and you start running through scenarios in your head because you know what can go wrong right we're expecting to find her either dead or skinny that she ate something she shouldn't have and we're up on the hill and james goes i see her we'll go down to her and the whole time and she's my cow like i so of course because she's my cow i'm like there's really going to be something wrong because if you really like one that's how it goes right the ones you don't like they'll stick around forever they'll survive everything just like and it's just like horses you can't you can't cripple a, a good one i mean a bad one but you can sure cripple a good one and we go down there and as soon as he stops the truck she pops up and there's a brand new calf next to her but none of those that was my that was the lowest ranking scenario in my in my life right i really thought that something was gonna be you know there's gonna be a bad outcome and it was a great outcome but again that's that experience that's telling you there you start setting yourself up for all the negatives and it's not that i'm trying to draw the negative in i'm being realistic and I think you see that too. People are like, oh, don't be negative. Well, there's a difference between being negative and being realistic. Now, before I had kids, I was way more negative. Now I try to tend towards guarded optimism, which I was never that way until I had children, right? Like I was the negative one. Like this is, or or harshly, I was harshly realistic before. And now I'm like realistically optimist because instead of trying to see the worst situation, you can prepare for the worst situation and still hope for the best. And that's now how I have to live my life, especially with kids. And I think that cha that, that change that really did change for me with kids. I was never an optimist until I had children. I would say the same for myself. I was, let's be honest, it's super easy to be negative. Mm -hmm. It takes no energy to be negative. Um, so if you have a choice between negative and positive, most people take the easy route and they choose to be negative because it takes no energy, but being positive, it takes, you have to have a really good mindset. Um, it takes a lot of energy to be positive and see the good in a lot of situations. I think it's a time thing. I chose to be negative the good portion of through my twenties and some of my thirties. And then I just got exhausted from it. And I'm like, well, this is not any fun anymore and not a way to live. So, and once you make that change in being negative versus positive, um, when you make that change, it's a lot easier to walk away from negative conversations because you can just feel the energy like draining out of you. Can you not? No, you can. And I think that's the, it, it is, it's very easy to be negative and it's so, and it, it's draining, but you don't realize it's draining. It's this slow drain until you step away from it. And it's easy to give up too, right? It's easy just to lay down and die because you don't want to put in the energy to find to find a new way. Because that's the thing is, if you're a problem solver, it's not always an easy solution, you know, but you get used to, well, I did this, you know, again, going back to the drought. Well, I did everything right. Why is it going wrong? What's going wrong? Because it didn't rain, right? Or you see it with businesses like, especially with COVID, you, I, I know a bunch of new restaurants that had opened up and they all had to shut their doors. It's not because they didn't offer a good service. It's not because their food wasn't awesome. Just a lot of things conspired for them to not be successful. And so how do you rebuild life? Yeah, it's a huge life change. And then how do you rebuild your life that way? And how do you, James and I had this conversation yesterday in the truck. How do you keep moving forward so for some people it's prayer for some people it's motivation for some people it's just straight grit that they keep moving forward because you have to think there's always something better out there now i don't say that meaning that you should always skip from one good feeling to the next good feeling to the next good feeling but you have to know that this minor setback isn't the isn't going to define you and never unless you quit if you quit now it becomes your defining moment but all it becomes is a building block for why you're successful in the future. And I think especially when you're younger and things are going wrong, it's so hard to look around and see somebody else's success and, and not understand why it's not for you. And it's not. And I think, you know, we talk about today is going to be about, you know, what holds us back. A lot of times it's us holding us back and it's that fear of failure. 
And you and I have talked about that. I mean, we've talked about it in the work-life balance. Now, I've always been James's biggest cheerleader. You want to try something, let's do it. Let's go forward. And I you know you've said with Brandon, like you felt like you held him back because you were worried. I was. Well, so I was going to, uh, before you started saying that, because I love like your whole talk about COVID and I think it ties in so well to why I thought of the subject, what's holding you back is because, um, well, I mean, you can be held back in your professional life. You can be held back in your hobbies, on your goals, on your dreams. And I think that it is something different that holds everyone back um, on those things. For me personally, when I look at being held back, I go right to my work life because I'm trying to create something that I've never done before. I love entrepreneurship. And for me, um, it took a long time for me mentally to be to this spot, but I've, it's been on my heart and on my mind for so long. I mean, the really thing, the only thing that I care about outside of being a good wife and mom um, and friend, uh, the only thing I really care about Remy is creating my own path and creating mm-hmm. something that is special for me. And that has to do with around everything that we do with coffee with the cowgirls and with everyday cowgirl and toppy and cowgirl. That is so important to me. And if I'm being honest, I get super pissed at myself because it does, it's not, um, I'm not taking it in my head far enough, fast enough, quick enough, et cetera, et cetera. And I get pissed at myself because I feel like I hold myself back. And if I would not allow my brain to take me down a negative path, how far could I actually go? How far could you actually go? And I think that's the, and I think that you and I have had this discussion privately and as our viewers get to know us more. So I, um, I'm not that one in our relationship for the most part, right? James is the planner and the thinker. And I'm just like, yeah, I got your back. You're not the planner. No, like, you know, like, I got your back. Let's go do it. We'll figure it out when we get there. And, um, but part of that is I had the luxury of growing up knowing that I was never really going to horribly fail, right? I was super lucky. I knew that if everything went wrong, I could call on someone to come back me up and get me out of whatever situation I was in. And that lets you grow up without a lot of fear of, of massive failure. Now, I so then I tend the opposite way. I'm the same way as you. If I'm successful, why am I not successful so fast? If I want this, and most people take six months, well, I want to do it in three. So I become hyper-competitive in the other way because I don't have the big fear of failure. And I think another thing I learned, so my parents got divorced when I was... Um, not super young, like 12 or 13. And I watched my mom worry about what everyone thought of her and that, you know, she didn't have any friends anymore. And I watched her just circle back in on herself. And so at that age, I figured out nobody really cares. And I know that sounds horrible. Nobody really cares about you that much, right? They don't, you know, they only care so much in that, like, if they love you, they're going to take care of you, but they don't care that you got divorced they're not embarrassed for you. They're not embarrassed about you. You are who you were to them as a person. And you either take it on the chin and say, yeah, something went wrong and I didn't think it would go wrong and move on or do what she did. And I love my mom more than anything. You like a lot of people that are on penning and sorting know her. She's got the biggest heart. She knows everybody's name. She takes care of everyone. And like almost everyone calls her mama Chris. Like, and she does, she mothers everyone. She's amazing. But I watched her struggle because she was so worried about what people thought of her. And so that was another thing that set me up for success. I watched these people that were supposed to be her friends and they cared about her, but they didn't care about the divorce. So when you realize that you're just not that important to other people, that also is so freeing because that's hard. It's hard, but like, they don't care if you fail as long as you don't wallow in the failure and you didn't do anything really malicious to them. And the people that care if you fail, have nothing better to do. And even if you were successful, if they if they enjoy your failure, your success would not make them happy. No, they would make them mad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's so when you start to realize that it 
it frees you. It's like all these chains falling off when you get to just go be successful or fail all on your own. And, you know, we grow up with mentors and heroes and idols that you don't want to let down. And then as you get older, you realize that they let themselves down. They let other people down. But they still meant a lot to you. But, you know, you start to see these people as human. And it's the same thing with your parents, right? I think the biggest thing I've learned is when you see that your parents are humans that did their best job, not some superhero, but humans that did their best job, you can forgive things that happened to you and not carry that pain anymore because they didn't mean to hurt you. They just didn't know how to do anything differently. Um, you said, what did you just say about um, letting yourself down? I think that for me, and you make you make it sound so stinking easy um, <laughs> about it's for, yeah, it's just so freeing when you don't care what anybody thinks anymore, Remy. Yeah, that's stinking easy. That is not easy, Remy, uh, because that I don't. I'm not afraid of fail failing. Um, that doesn't the failure doesn't really scare me because in my head I just know that if you never start, I'd rather start and fail than never start at all. Um, the part that scares me is like, oh my God, like if I do the thoughts that I've got going through my head, people are going to think that I'm stinking crazy. And so, yes, I do let like the thoughts of the thoughts of others determine, I'm trying not to let them determine how far I will go. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you did not think those thoughts in your head, like if that thought never entered your head, like what are these people going to think if I do this in my business? Are they going to think I'm crazy? If that thought never entered my head, how far could you go? And at the end of the day, the only person I care about letting down in my business is myself because I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the people around me because I do feel like there's something for cowgirls of all walks of life in what we're creating and doing. No, and I, I think that it's, I think that's the other reason that we work as a partnership, right? Like I am pretty unapologetically okay with not people not liking me. And we're hardwired. I mean, I, and, and part of it is a societal thing, right? And we've talked about it before. We talked about it in our first interview. Women are told their whole life, be small. Don't take up a lot of space. Don't be too much. Don't be too loud. Don't laugh that loud. Don't be all these things. And then you see, so, and even when you're raised to be a strong woman, it's still be a strong woman in this box. And so that creeps into your psyche. If I do this, is it that? Now, how do you, so how do you combat that and, and still be warm and loving and all those things? And that's why you hear a lot of very unapologetic women be labeled as a bitch. They're not, they just don't care and they don't want to make you comfortable anymore. So now you take that as them being mean. They're not being mean, but you know, a lot of the no. same traits that you would like in a strong male leader, you don't want in a strong woman. And so then you walk that fine line. And for me, it's, it's made me some enemies. It's also made me an army of fiercely loyal people, both men and women, because they know where they stand with me and they know that I will defend them to no end. But I also don't put up with a lot of stuff. And if they don't like me, come tell me you don't like me. We can either address it and move on. Or now it's your problem. If you don't want to tell me why you don't like me, that's not my problem. It's not my issue what you think about me. If you don't want to discuss it, if you want to discuss it, maybe we can change it. Maybe we can't change it, you know, but I, you, and I think that's so hard as a woman to be unapologetically you or to not apologize for changing, right? That's the other thing that people let that hold them back is the idea of what they used to be or the idea of what they thought they would yeah. be. And as you grow and change, you're not who you were and you might not be what you thought you were going to grow up to be. And sometimes it's glorious to not be those things, but you have some people that want to hold you to a past version of yourself. That's not fair. And you sometimes hold yourself to a standard of, I thought I would be here by now and I'm not, and now I failed. And what if I fail everywhere else? Well, life takes us down a different path. So readjust, always readjust and move on. I think that, um, well, I mean, from a competition standpoint too, 
I'm sure that you have lots of stories of people that you know or different scenarios. And I started asking a lot of people, like, because you can kind of see it on their face, right? Like the frustration. And I think that there comes a point where you have to ask them, like, what is holding you back? Because I can see it on your face, like something is, and it's more than not themselves telling themselves, them telling themselves that they cannot do it. Like they're literally making themselves stop right in their tracks because every time they step into the arena, they step into the pen, they've already beat themselves. They told them they've conditioned themselves so much by saying you cannot do this. Yeah. So I, like I tell my clients, right. And I deal with a lot of female, like my, the majority of my clientele and James's clientele is female. Now I have, I have male clients too, but my majority is, is middle-aged women. And they're so much fun, right? Because a lot of them have gotten to the age where they don't care anymore either. And it's great. It's, it's so great to be surrounded by people like that. But you, I have to tell them, like, you have to think that you are the baddest bitch out here. And every time you walk in the pen, you're walking in to win. Now, logically, we know we're not going to win every time. But you can't go in there thinking like, well, so-and-so is better than me. On any given day, any of us is the best in that pen. If everything goes together like it should. But you can't think about that so-and-so is beating you because of they have better horses or the cattle are better for them or it's just their day. Go make your run. Go be responsible for you. Go do everything you're supposed to do. And if it doesn't work out, it didn't work out today. And I think that's the other thing, right? It didn't work out today. That doesn't mean it never works out. It just didn't work out today. And you know, a lot of us carry the pain and weight of all these things that have gone wrong in our entire life, whether it's competing, relationships, work jobs, you want to carry that baggage and you don't realize how heavy it is again until you set it down. Like I don't deal with anxiety, right? I don't, that's not my that's not my mental health issue, but I do deal with depression. You, Remy. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I don't deal, but I don't, I don't deal with anxiety, but I watch it in friends and I watch it in very close loved ones where this family, I gotta switch my hands because I'm mirrored camera, but where this failure is now connected to every other failure they've had. But it's not. You failing today isn't a landslide of failures, it's today's failure. Full stop. Today's failure, full stop. Take a deep breath, handle it, and then move on. But don't let it be this, like, I always imagine, you know, like you've got the, you know, like when you see all the blown up helium balloons and they've got that net over it and people are yep. carrying it behind them, right? When they're going to sell kids balloons. Okay, so if you carry all those balloons with you all the time, no matter how light they seem, you're still dragging the weight of all of those balloons, of all those failures, of all those problems, of all those what ifs that didn't go your way, that's tiring. It's just as draining as being negative to yourself, right? Let them go, release them. But you have to be so cognizant and so strong to release all those and not let them creep back into your mind when something goes wrong. Now, again, I realize like anxiety is not my issue, so it's easy for me to say that, but it's, but you have to, you have to, be, but you have to keep hearing people say that. Today's failure is today's failure. Just like today's success is today's success. Now it might help you with further success, but it doesn't mean you could, like we can all appreciate our success. We can appreciate our marriages, our relationships, our children, whatever it is, we can appreciate them, but that's not a guarantee that they're gonna be there in the future because you still have to work on whatever it is, personal, professional. You have to work on yourself all the time to realize that today's just today and take each day as cliche as it sounds, for what it is. Today was a good day. Today wasn't a uh, good day. I, I think what you're, what you're just saying with all of that um, is so true. But I think in order for all of that to fall into place, you have to surround yourself by the right people. 100%. If you, if you do not surround yourself with the right people, you will struggle with that mentality the entire time. No, and and I know we're, we're going to talk about it in the future, like who's in your circle, right? 
it's crazy because you'll have people that when you're not successful are your best friend. They want to wallow in that misery with you, right? Because they're not successful. And they're and as you gain success personally or professionally, you watch the bitterness creep in and you watch the jealousy. Now, for me, same thing, like while I've been James's biggest cheerleader, I'm my friend's biggest cheerleaders too. Like, you want to do this? Go bad bitch, let's do it, right? Go be the best version of yourself you can be. And I'll be here and I'll support you from up close or afar, whatever I can do, but like, go be the best you. And that doesn't make me jealous of them for whatever success they have, personal or professional, because it's their time, right? It's their time to be those things. And it's crazy when you have people that watched you not be successful and were happy for your, for your misery, really, for your misery. And as you're successful, they can't come with you because they can't get out of their own way to celebrate your success. And now they close the door for you helping them, right? Through whether it be on purpose or whether it just be accidental, but they didn't come with you on this journey of success and happiness because they wanted to be miserable and they're only friends with you when you're miserable too. And that's not real. A funny story from this weekend, we were at a horse show and a really good friend of ours, um, she's been riding for a while, but just, I think that she struggles mentally too, because she just doesn't believe in herself at times. And, uh, her and Bodie were riding together and they had a really good run. First run, they were into the finals and, uh, she went in for her second cow and I could see when she went in, she just checked up, you know, like you could just see the unsureness over her face. And, um, I can be a little dramatic on the sidelines because I love to help people. I I mean, it's, Listen, it's, called, passion. it's called passion and intensity. It is not too much. Yes. I, I have that. that. I know I it. Do. I know. I, I know the voice. Well, I have it as well. So I seen the unsureness come over her face and her body. And I just, I just knew in her head, she was like, Oh, I just don't want to ruin this run. And I just started screaming, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. And I don't, I would like to think that she heard me say believe in her, in herself. And she just took off like a little rock star and they ended up winning the class, but it was so awesome. And somebody did get a video of me on the sidelines, like doing jumping jacks, practically yelling, believe in yourself. And it is funny, but I do think that you need people on your team to yell, believe in yourself when you can't believe in yourself. You do. And you need to. So I have a client and she, um, she's had a couple things go wrong. She had a, she had a wreck on a horse that shook her confidence and she lost her other good horse. And we're at a show in Fort Worth and you know, you can walk underneath the grandstands there. Like it's a tunneled building. Right. And she was having a bad day. And I was like, just, just come with me. So we go, we go in this, we go in the alley and we're by ourselves. And I look at her and I go, I need you to say, I'm a bad motherfucker. She goes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a a bad motherfucker. And like, look, she's strong. Like she's a strong lady. And I go, no, I need you to believe it. Like, I need you to say it and believe it. She's like, okay, I'm a bad motherfucker. And I was like, no. I am a bad motherfucker. Let's hear it. And she said it and she went out and she rode better. And like, that's the joke, right? Like if something's going wrong, she goes, I, you don't need to take me under the grandstands. I got it. But you have to have someone that, you know, it wasn't like she was riding horribly, but you have to have someone that recognizes you for what you are. And when maybe it's not the way you thought it was going to be or how you were going to do the things you needed to do. And I think that's the other thing. Like you see that quote all the time, right? Your friends are the ones that can hear you when you don't make any noise. And that's true, right? Like you see someone struggle, you have to be able to recognize that. And you don't have to, look, you don't have to. You're You're not your friend's keeper. You're not your brother's keeper. You're not your husband's keeper. But if you really care about people, you notice when they're not right. And like, I I joke about- I think it's a gift. I think that that is a gift. I joke with, um, I I joke with my clients, right? And go like, if they're having a bad day and and James, like James and I train together. Right. And some days he'll look at me and he's like, why aren't you being harder? Cause I, 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 
I typically am the harder one at home, right? I will coach your ass off at home. So when we get to the show, it's easy sailing. And James is the opposite. He's easy going. And then you step into a show pen with him and you're like, oh, that's different. And it's not bad. It's not horrible. But he's, you know, he's so level and easy going. And he wants you to win and he wants to win with you so badly. Whereas, I, so at home, like, I'm going to chew your ass at home and just let it coast when we get to the show. And James, like, is intense in the pen. And it's fun. Like, it's super fun to ride with. But it's not the same kind of easygoing guy that's at the house. So, yeah. you know, I, where was, I was going somewhere with this. Um, oh, so he goes, why weren't you being hard? You know, why aren't you being hard on them today? And I go, today is the day to tell them that their horse is pretty and they look great. Because I know that me yelling at someone when they got something going on at home, that's not what they're here for. That's not what they want to deal with. And so today they don't need to hear how they messed up yet again on something, right? They need me to tell them, you know, you messed up, but like they, they just need to hear their horse is pretty. You look great. And they, you know, and that, if that's what gets them through the day, then I don't need to be holding someone back by berating them for anything. Now, if they say, hey, you know, can we work on this today? For sure. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you want to spend your time doing, I'm going to do it. But I think, you know, again, that is a, that you have to have some intuition or maybe you don't have to have intuition. For me, it's really important to be intuitive about what people want and need as long as I don't have to sacrifice myself in the, and that's the other thing. You cannot sacrifice yourself to make everyone else happy if you're not happy. Now, if you're willing to make the sacrifice to make someone else happy, then good for you. I'm just not willing to make that sacrifice. My mental health and my well-being is not as important as someone else's happiness. And that can sound selfish or whatever it is, but I have been to the edge and I won't ever get there again by giving someone else power or agency over my own happiness. That comes, I mean, another thing that that just comes with age because I feel like I'm in the same place as you. Like, um, I like to create and I, I like, I like, I love to build something. I love to build, I, I want to build something unique to me and to you and to everyone around us. And um, in order to do that, you have to create a space where you keep the people that drain you out of that. Because if you don't, you cannot focus on your end game because they no. will draw that right out of you. And I shared, I shared something on Facebook and I've seen it shared a lot, right? It's like, you can't tell big dreams to small minded people because they'll stop you. They'll stop you. And I think, I think when you look at partnerships, right? My marriage is one in particular because James likes to look at all aspects. Then he's hesitant sometimes to act, right? Like, because it's like, well, if we do this and as he's got old, same thing as he's gotten older, he's grown out of some of that fear. But it's like, well, if this doesn't work, then I'm just a failure. You're not a fit. And that, you know, you have to have some, again, that circle that reassures you you're not a failure. And even if you fail, it's not final. So that's where it's like, you have to be happy from within, but you have to have someone that when you hear those voices in your head, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not creative enough. This isn't working. You have to have someone there to bolster you because no man is an island. And I used to be guilty of that. I can shoulder every burden out there. And eventually you just crack under the weight of all that expectation, whether it's from the inside or the outside. So you have to have someone that tells you that those voices in your head, they're wrong. They don't want you to be sick. You know, they are, they're wrong. They don't want you to be successful. Now you don't have to be cocky or brash, but you have to trust your gut that what you've done and what you want to build is the right thing. So yeah. don't, don't, you don't have to change the goal, but sometimes you have to change how you got there. Or sometimes you do change the goal because it isn't what you want. Like as you get closer to it, you don't have to be so married to everything that you're doing that you see, you know what? That's not what I want anymore. Right? Like I, I'd had different goals for myself and James, I, I was talking to James about this yesterday too. We were just having this, this is what happens when you're in the truck with each other. Um, had I gone to a different school, I probably wouldn't be married to James and I probably wouldn't have my four beautiful boys and I wouldn't trade my life for the life I'd have now, right? I'd be living on even more, even more coffee than I drink now, 
I'd probably be a lawyer and I'd probably be miserable or maybe I wouldn't be. Who knows? Like, you know, there's a whole other life I could have had, but my life is awesome. Yeah. You know, but like my life is awesome. Get to ride horses. I get to go check cows. I spend all my time with my husbands and my kids and my, my husband and my kids. I don't have multiple husbands. You have more than one, Remy. You know, that would be him. You know, but you know, I, I get to do that and I get to make a business out of of living a lifestyle that a lot of people want to live. Now it doesn't mean it's not stressful, but like it's crazy. It is, it is stressful. It's stressful, but it's like the flip side is if I don't want to wake up early, I don't have to wake up early. If I want to go to Disneyland for a week, I can tell my clients, hey, I'm not going to be here this week, right? I'm not beholden to anyone. So we've carved out this amazing life that is sometimes horrible. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's, you know, it can be wretched and miserable and stressful and the flip side it is amazing and glorious and it is all our own you know and nobody again, wants that to see like the hard every i think that everybody want like looks at the life and they're like oh they're so lucky they get to do the horses and the cattle all the time i don't know if they see all of the but that's with anything there's if you it doesn't matter if you work a nine to five, if you're self-employed, there's a lot of stresses that come with anything. So there's a sandwich shop that James goes to all the time. And we were having a bad patch in business, not horrible, but it was stressful. And we were fighting a lot and he goes, I'm going to open a sandwich shop. I said, okay, <laughs> let's open a sandwich. Let's sell it all off and we'll open a sandwich shop, right? Like this is, so he goes to the same sandwich shop every week on the way to sale. So he starts, and there used to be a bunch of guys that worked in there. And then there was a lady that was working in there and just busting her ass. And he talks to her. He's like, oh, you know, I'd like to talk to the owner. She goes, I am the owner. He goes, okay, you know, I haven't seen you here, but like just making small talk with her. And she starts telling you the numbers. And I'm like, oh, God, I mean, you're married. You're married to whatever business. If you own it, you're married to it. But I was just like, I don't want to be in a sub shop all day. Right. Like I'm married to my business. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's not for me. It doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not for me. And. I think that was such a good example for James because it was like, you see like, oh, I can be in air conditioning and I can make sandwiches all day. And there's really no end to how much money you can make if you really bust your butt, but you can't shut down the sub shop because you want to go to Disneyland. Right. And now you're, and now you're relying on employees, which is a little bit dangerous. And, um, you know, like we, we like what we do, but we failed miserably at what we do. We kept persevering. Some of it was our fault. (coughs) Some of it was situational. But I I don't think we ever failed in our belief in each other or belief in our goals long term. No. Uh, You brought up the fact that um, I felt like I held Brandon back. It took me a long time to come to that realization. And I do know that. I, I know now, and I don't know when I actually came to it, probably three years ago, when I... I mean, he came, he was coming to me for validation on certain things, like asking me, he wanted my input, obviously, on life decisions and not life decisions. It was more purchases. And um, I would be like, oh, I don't know. That's a big number. And I, I would real, I realized shortly I make him question himself and my husband is really good at his job. And I was the one that was putting the doubt in his head and questioning his ability to the point that he would start to question what he was doing and he would not go forward with it then. And once I realized, oh shit, I am the cause of that. I need to be like, I, I trust you a hundred percent to make that decision. I know that you know the answer so go forward with yourself. And once I started handling those decisions like that, life has been a lot easier. And I shouldn't say easier, but it's he trusts me. I trust him. It's been so much better because I took myself out of that equation and learned how to better support him. And, and I think the validation is a real issue, right? So I and guilty of not, James seeks validation too, right? Because we are partners. So he seeks validation. And for me, like I've given him carte blanche to do whatever you want. So I 
so sometimes he comes to me and I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea, but he really wants me to show him the negatives because like I said, I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. But he needs a sounding board and he needs validation for what that he's doing is right. And especially with like, especially with a lot of the cattle purchases we make, we talk about it, but I fall in step behind him. So I, I never tell him no, because he knows what he's doing. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean even yeah. if I don't agree with it, you know, like I wish we, again, coming back to this drought, I wish we didn't have to sell anything. I wish we could keep them all. I love them. You look at hay prices and I'm not feeding through a drought again. We've done it before, you know, and it's, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just sell, you know, we'll sell this. And then he wants to tell me why. And I realized as I get older, it's not because he actually cares what I think. And that sounds horrible. He does care what I think. But when he's talking to me about that, it's because he's working out what's in his brain out loud to make sure there's not a flaw in it to let someone else do that. And that's, it's hard because it's the same thing when someone calls you for advice, right? Do you want advice or do you want to vent? Because either way, I'm good. I just need to know what you want from me. And again, getting older, I've learned to, to ask that question. Do you actually care what I think in this moment? Or are you just looking for a sounding board? And then it makes it a lot easier when they don't take your advice if they were just looking for a sounding board. You can't get upset because they didn't really want your advice. And at least they were honest about not wanting your advice. And that goes for friendships. That goes for marriages. That goes for parenting. You know, what does someone want out of the conversation? And if you ask that question, it also makes them, it makes them ask themselves, what do I want out of this? What am I seeking to gain from this interaction? Um, I wanted to circle back to something that you said about, uh, having the people in your circle who are wanting or not wanting, but who say that you can't do something. When we decided to have um, the horse sale, uh, I was talking to somebody and I said that we were going to do it. And they're like, Oh my God, Breck, you do not want to do a horse sale. Do you know how much work it is? Oh, what a pain. I do not do it. (coughs) Well, I'll take that into consideration, but we're doing it. We're doing it because, A, we're not afraid of hard work, and B, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, we fail? I Really not. I mean, you can't really fail. I mean, you might not do as good as you thought you did, but then that's your own fault because you didn't put in the time or the work or whatever. Um, but when you're – I'm afraid of failing on this, but on that kind of stuff, I mean, when you get to the point where you're not afraid to fail, that's life-changing. No, and I mean, I think that the fear of failure, I think, is people's biggest drawback, right? Mm-hmm. And for most people, they're not worried about failing themselves. They're worried about the appearance of failure. Yeah. And like, I cannot stress this enough. Very few people care. Very few people. Because and even if they do care, it's 15 minutes of their life where they care. Because if they care about your failure, they're, they're looking for someone else's failure. It's not just yours. It's not even that personal. So like my advice, and I give this to a lot of people is nobody cares. You're not that important. Like I'm not that important. I'm not thinking I'm important and someone else isn't like we all have these little spheres that are connected to each other, but we're all our own main character. Right? So nobody cares. And when, when, when you don't worry about people caring and you don't worry about failing anymore, you get to be free to be whoever you are and create whatever life you want. And if you don't like that life, you get to create a new one and a new one and a new one until you get it right. Or maybe you'll never get it right. Maybe you want to be a gypsy of lives, right? Maybe you want to have a thousand different lives. And that's great too. Like that's for you. That's your, that's, that's your deal. Great. Gold star. I don't know what, you know, like, and I, I think the hard part is when people seek validation or acceptance from someone, like I accept you for whatever you are, however you want to be, you do you. And I'm going to do me. Don't affect my life negatively. And we're great. However, yeah, we do. You know, on the flip side is I, if you like, this is the thing I don't come apart very often, right? I don't really get that angry very often. So when you see me get angry, trust me, I tried to ignore it for a very, very long time. Because again, my peace isn't worth being angry over until you don't stop. And that's the thing for me. If you don't stop poking the bear, you will, you will see why people say mean things about me. 
but they act like it's not justified. And like, I tried to ignore these things. I tried to be love and light until you didn't let me be love and light. But again, you know, that's another, that's another thing that's held me back before was trying to prove my point and always be right and always be justified. And now I'm like, two plus two is five. You are 100% correct. You live your best life, <laughs> right? Because it's not my job to fix things for you. For anyone, I mean, my job is to fix horses for people, to fix competitions for people, you know, like to fix how they ride, but that's it. I don't have to fix every broken piece of you. I am here to help you fill those broken pieces if we are friends. But aside from that, that's not my job. It's not my burden to carry. And again, you start hearing all the clinks of those chains falling down. It's not my burden. It's not my problem. I, my, um, I'm much like you when it comes to temper. I... I can let things slide for a really long time, but when the day comes that I can't let it slide anymore, you should probably go hide in your trailers <laughs> because it just comes out. Yeah. And like, I will say very mean things. Like, and I, I really don't yell very often, right? Like I'm not a yeller, but I will whisper very mean things to you, which is scarier really, because I'm just like, yeah, I really mean it now. If I said it, I meant it. But again, like that's, are you comfortable in who you are? Are you comfortable in being justified in your position? And again, like, again, it's what holds you back? Well, people not liking me. I've never, and again, that's not my burden either, right? I never care if people liked me. Yeah, that's not but my I am burden married, either. you know, and I'm married to someone that cares very much if people like him, if people are happy, like he is a pleaser, right? What can I do to make it better for you? which makes him a great spouse, which makes him a great friend, which makes him a great father, which makes him a great trainer. But you watch it wear on him too. You watch you watch it wear on James that he's not enough for some people. And as That's you've gotten draining. older- yeah. It is draining. And then as you watch him get older, it's like, well, I was never gonna be enough. And I think I came to that realization just earlier. I'm not enough. And I'm not going to contort myself in ways to make myself enough. Like, honestly, if we talk about what hold, holds me back, like, this is going to sound so conceited. It isn't, it isn't <laughs> my fear of failure, right? What holds me back is my lack of organization, my lack of follow through, me having squirrel brain, right? Like, I'm going to do this today, and then I see something else, and ooh, shiny, and now I'm doing that. Like, those are very concrete things that I need to work on. And I don't, like... I get busy and I get bored, which is another reason I love my life. It's really hard to get bored when you have a million different things to do that are all kind of connected. But like, those are my personal flaws. I know that those are my flaws and that's what holds me back. And then. But recognizing that, yeah, I, just, I think that. I think it makes point. it even worse though, because I don't fix what I recognize in myself. Like I know I should. Yeah, but, <laughs> well, I think that that, uh, you saying that makes me think like that's the whole point of today's topic is what holds you back is recognizing what holds you back so you can fix it or you can put people in your life yeah. who can help take on your weakness or whatever, which I'm probably not the person to be in your life then, Remy, because I'm not that damn organized and I'm not great at planning either. So there's that. No, and I, I think it's I think like, you know, I was like the person. Books, like I was a person that could write a 25 page term paper midnight the day before it was due. Right. And still get an A on it because I'd stored away all these little nuggets of information that were going to go there. And it's this whole flurry of getting it done. And then there's the adrenaline rush of getting it done. Well, now I'm too old. Like I want to go to sleep early at night. I don't want to stay up and get stuff done. And, but I, I mean, I try, I'm trying to be better. I'm working on it, but you know, I, I mean, I think I'm free in a lot of ways because I don't care about a lot of things. Like I care deeply about some things, but I don't, really don't care what people think of me. Like if I haven't done anything wrong and I've been true to myself and I've been loyal and I've been a good friend, you can't be mad at me. Or you can, but that's, again, that's not my burden. If you're angry by by something that I did and you don't want to address it, or really, if we see it differently, then I don't have to remedy it for you. And again, clink, clink, chains dropping, right? That doesn't, that's not my burden. And I think it's so hard as a mother to not take on someone else's burden. And again, I didn't have that problem before I had kids. I really didn't. And now I'm back to not having that problem. But there was a space there where I carried... 
I was the vessel for everyone else's problems, right? I, I swallowed them whole and made them my own. And you can't be around people like that. You can't be around the people that want to pour everything into you in a negative way, right? Like they don't, they don't, they don't want you to be happy. They want you to just be this lockbox for their burdens. That's not fair. We, you, you want to split your burdens among your friends. Not that you want to burden your friends, but you want to have a safe space to share joy and pain and love and misery and happiness and silliness. That's what your friends are for. They're there to encompass all the parts of your life, not just the negatives and not just the positives either. You know, you want a multifaceted friendship. And as you get older, you realize how important that is to surround yourself with people that genuinely wish for your happiness, for your mental health, for your success. And they're not going to judge you when you fail. They're going to help pick you up. I had a really good friend um, last week talking to me about just taking care of her kids and um, or having her college kids live it back at home with her. And she's having to do things that she hasn't done in a long time, like their laundry and their dishes. And she's just like, it's just so overwhelming. And um, she sent, she actually sent it to all of us, her girlfriends. And it was an article about being me responsible. And I've never heard that word before. I'm like, I like that. Me responsible, be responsible for all your things. And she's, so she's telling her kids this. she's like, I'm, I'm done taking care of things that you should know to take care of. You're going to have to start being me responsible. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that for a lot of people. No, I, 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 again, right. You have to be responsible for your own happiness, which means in turn, you're also a little bit responsible for your own misery, you know? And I think if you're really responsible for your own happiness, it's easy to start being responsible or at least understanding, like if you're happy or you're content, so I shouldn't say happy because not everyone is happy, right? But if you're content with your life, when something goes wrong, it just becomes this bump in the road. This too shall pass. And it's true. It's really hard to realize in the moment of horrible things happening, this too shall pass. You know, and I think that, again, what holds you back is fear of the unknown, especially when you start, like when we talk about entrepreneurship, fear of the unknown is scary, right? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to make enough money? Is this going to fail? The biggest thing with entrepreneurship is how do you fail, right? That That's the biggest fear, fear of failure. Same thing when people go away to school. What could go wrong rather than, and I think changing your mindset to what can go right and if it fails, it's not that big of a, of a problem. That's hard for people, but it shouldn't be. It should be the easiest thing. It should be, should be. I know it's not. Quit. And so that's my advice, right? Quit looking for the negative in everything and start realizing that if there is a fault, if something goes wrong, it is not the end of the world. That's my advice to men, women, children. It's never the end of the world unless you let it be the end of the world. And look for, look, address negatives that are true negatives, not, not made up fancy ones, address true negatives, be positive and surround yourself with people that are going to keep those dark voices at bay. Yes. Um, I agree a hundred percent. I think that first of all, having this discussion today, I hope it triggers something in yourself to think about what might be holding you back to really do a deep dive into that because I can tell you that once you start to figure it out yourself, it'll make your life a lot easier because you can start to correct the problem. Um, Remy's exactly right that you need to surround yourself with amazing people who build you up, who help to keep those negative thoughts away, uh, who encourage positivity in your life. Um, I think that's super important. Uh, and I think that it's super important to start working on ways to um, how, what am I trying to say here, Remy? I think it's super important to just start working on ways to correct whatever, to take the chains off, as Remy was saying earlier, to help get those chains to fall away. And so you can go farther and faster and get to your goals and meet your dreams. I mean, it's, it's start, start cutting away things that don't make you happy and don't serve your greatest good. And I think that's really hard, right? You'll, you might have a friendship that's lasted a long time 
and it doesn't serve you anymore. Now you can enjoy the friendship for just the friendship, but if that person sucks energy and makes you doubt yourself. Now we all need a realist in our life and I am, I'm an optimistic realist, but you can't have someone that tells you every time it's not enough, that you're not enough, that no matter what you do, it's not enough or it's bad and you cannot. Internet is again. Okay. You can't, you can't have people that serve you poorly. You have to grow in relationships and you have to cut away all those bonds that don't serve you. And that is hard and it's frightening and don't do it all at once. Thank you guys for joining us today. We're sorry about some of the internet issues that we were having. Um, we hope that you have a great day. Remy is on a cattle tour today, so she had to get going. Uh, please be sure to, uh, Join us next week as we will be doing Coffee with the Cowgirls again at 2 o'clock on Wednesday. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you later.